This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including eBooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. New Books in Economics, brought to you by EAEPE, the European Association for Evolutionary Political Economy. Welcome back to New Books in Economics, part of the New Books Network. This is Andrea Bernardi from Oxbrooks University in the UK, your host. I'm here today with one of the editors of a book recently published by Routledge in 2019. This is The Ethical Formation of Economists by Joanna Negru and Wilfred Dosma. Uh, Joanna, thanks for being here. But since the book is particularly complex and erudite and interesting, we also have a second person, a second host to discuss the book with you. This is Rodrigo Zidane, professor in finance at New York University in Shanghai. Welcome both Rodrigo and Joanna. Thanks for being here and uh, for inviting me to uh, uh, talk about our new book. Okay, Joanna, let's start from uh, the nature and the origin of the book. And also, please tell us your current and past affiliations. Yes, thank you very much, Andrea. Uh, I'm, um, I'm a reader in economics at the Ulchambaga University of Sibiu, and uh, I have been uh, based in UK for 16 years. I have started my academic career by doing my PhD uh, with Nottingham Trent University, and then I have moved to Angla Ruskin University in Cambridge. Uh, and my last four years in UK have been at School of Oriental and African Studies, part of the University of London. Uh, the basis of the book, uh, the basis of the book, there is a workshop organized by myself in Cambridge at Angla Ruskin University in 2013 on professional economic ethics, when we have invited Professor George DeMartino to be a keynote speaker. But we have had other interesting guests such as Jamie Morgan, Craig Duckworth, Robert McMaster, Matthias Klass, and it was organized jointly with Scheme. Following this event, I have contacted Wilfred Dolsma to work on an edited manuscript, and from our exchange, the focus of the book shifted slightly to the behavior of economists. Uh, For the listeners, let me read quickly the titles of the chapters. We have the introductory chapter by you and Wilfred. Then we have chapter two, training the ethical economist. Chapter three, teaching future economists. Chapter four, economists' personal responsibility and ethics. Chapter 5, Social Connection and the Responsible Economist. Chapter 6, More Harm Than Benefit, The Ramifications of the Neglect of Rights in Economics. Chapter 7, Experiments in Economics and Their Ethical Dimensions, The Case of Developing Countries. 
Chapter 8, The Making of an Ethical Econometrician. Chapter 9, Economists, Their Role and Influence in the Media. Chapter 10, Intervention, Policy and Responsibility Economics as Over-Engineered Expertise. Finally, Conclusions, Raising Up, Private Maxio. Um, Rodrigo, do you have any preliminary question for Joanna? This is a fascinating book. And uh, my, first, my, my first question is, you, you do understand that many people think that economists, also economists think of themselves as scientists, and you tackle this, this normative problem of economists having an underlying ideology throughout the book. And uh, my question to you is, what do you, what do you see the role of the economist today as a public figure uh, from your work, with, your work in the book, your work with these main authors, uh, has anything changed in your perception of the role of economists in the world today? Uh, thank you very much um, for the such an interesting and complex question. Um, the, I think I agree with you that uh, economists take a very uh, positive view of uh, economics, and we in the book disagree with the distinction between positive and normative economics. Um, because we think it's not advancing um, uh, any any good and progressive economics, and we try to advance a more conception of the economic science. Uh, I think Balding stating stated in a, in a famous piece that no science of any kind can be divorced from ethical considerations. Um, so we disagree with this uh, scientific scientific and. Uh, scientist view uh, of mainstream economics um, in the throughout the book. Um, the book, I think, concludes with a simple but essential idea that economics needs ethics, not just institutionally, but as in the formation of characters of economists, so not just institutional, but at personal level. And I think this is one of the key insights that informed me and um, convinced me that we might at least need to consider the importance of a code of ethics for economists. So from my work with all the authors, I think um, I have somehow deepened my ideas about ethics, which is a new addition to my interests, my research interests, and uh, also um, convinced me that we need some institutional reform as well as personal reform at the level of economists. I'm not sure if I've answered the question. You, you, you certainly did. I would be interested in, in what is the, this proposed re institutional reforms what is what are what are these these reforms that you believe would advance uh, economic science? Yes, um, I think um, we are we agree with George De Martino that economists need a and with uh, Dilda McCloskey as well their brilliant work uh, following the Economist Code from 2011 and then 2016 the Oxford Handbook of Professional Economic Ethics. We, where they, they try to um, advance um, a new subdiscipline and to put the foundations of a new subdiscipline in economics uh, on the professional economic ethics. So um, we also think that some kind of codes of conduct might be useful, but we need to think very carefully and very nuanced about whether they'll be voluntary or not, whether they can somehow ensure that economists follow some basic rules when it comes to conflicts of interest and other ethical dilemmas when it comes to policy making. 
Okay, if I may go back to the introduction of the book, you refer to three major ethical frameworks in economics, and this is utilitarianism, deontology, and virtue ethics. If you could tell the, something about this to the listeners, and what is the role of this classification in this edited collection of, of chapters? Yes, thank you very much. Um, I think uh, all economists operate in all these three frameworks, and I think they are very important in, in many ways, because economists have been um, criticized that they cannot advance uh, or they do not have a conceptual space for ethics. And whilst we agree partly with this, I think that we have also sympathy for the fact that even the mainstream economics uh, has, um, has a, a legitimate ethical framework, which is that of consequentialism or utilitarianism. Uh, utilitarianism is looking at or putting at the basis the principle of utility following the classical work of Jeremy Bentham and John Stuart Mill. And uh, the right uh, the right action means uh, an action that increases the happiness for all the parties involved. So a follower of utilitarianism is someone that uh, is trying to maximize the value of the universe. And is, as I said, the, the dominant uh, ethical framework within uh, economics. Uh, in general, the authors of the book have been critical in engaging with utilitarianism, and they've tried to advance solutions to uh, either improve it, or um, such as Mark Wright trying to consider rights as well as utility within economics, but also criticizing and putting forward um, other um, other frameworks like deontology or virtue ethics. Deontology is basically the ethics of economists as professionals, and they look at the concept of duty and the right actions uh, performed by um, et- by ethical and um, rational individuals. Um, it's trying to universalize uh, actions and. Um, Try to tries to um, uh, forward the um, the idea that action should uh, not violate the freedom of um, other individuals. Uh, the ontology has been criticized on many grounds, but in principles that the duties might give rise to uh, harm uh, and to harm other parties. But of course, what we contend is that if um, um, individuals can um, somehow self-assume uh, morality and moral actions, this might counteract the idea of duties and obligations which arises from um, the deontological framework. Um, virtue ethics is basically an Aristotelian uh, philosophy, and uh, it tries to forward the idea of um, individual formation and uh, following virtues within the social context or social institutions and social um, uh, social life and society forms individual in, uh, in, uh, in, in an ethical way. Um, again, the virtue ethics framework has been criticized on the fact that uh, circumstances shape action, and this is from Jonathan White, but uh, basically... Um, I think uh, we cannot separate uh, character from moral action many of the times. Um, I think in general, heterodox economists are much more open to deontology and virtue ethics. And I think uh, the book is about professional economic ethics, which is a form of deontology. So that features more within, uh, within the book.
In the book you refer to movements such as rethinking economics, which in Europe and elsewhere, uh, also through the contribution of students, uh, um, supported the attempt to uh, redesign the curricula of economics in a more progressive and pluralist way. Um, how effective this has been and uh, what, should be, what could be the contribution of your book in this debate? I think this is a very important question. Thank you very much. Uh, Rethinking Economics has been a brilliant movement and we have admired the students and how well organized they have been in pushing forward uh, a few a few things uh, when it comes to uh, reforming economics. And the main contribution was um, the changes that they've made to the cu curriculum within UK. Uh, in many universities in UK, and they, they have pushed for uh, publication of books, organizing conferences, organizing events, um, trying to um, uh, pursue... Uh, uh, the change in the curriculum. And I think the book here fits very nicely with their aim of uh, training and teaching economists more moral and political philosophy and ethics. A number of chapters in the book advance this idea that one of the solutions and probably the most important solution is training economists in, uh, in ethics at both at, uh, undergraduate and postgraduate levels. Um, so... I think rethinking economics is trying now to uh, move not just uh, towards uh, reforming university education, but also education at A level economics in UK, which is, I think is a is a is a brilliant move and is quite necessary for putting the basis of a pluralist economics in young minds, which will then continue maybe with university education. But now let me surprise my guest with a question to Rodrigo, which is in fact the author of a textbook, a handbook of uh, business economics. So my question for Joanna was, uh, how should we reform curricula and textbooks? And what about your textbook? Is it uh, fit for purpose? Um, my textbook is for, is for non-economists. Um, and it's called Economists of Global Business. It was published by MIT Press uh, last year, November of 2018. And in the same vein as Joanna, I, I do agree uh, that we need to, to improve how economists think about social problems, especially uh, to disentangle this norm, normative and positive part. And I try to do that in the book by, by focusing on, for instance, on, on what policymakers actually do instead of what they ought to do. Uh, I, I would like to, to pose a question to Joanna. Um, in these instances, okay, the, re the rethinking economics uh, uh, movement and everything, uh, they do propose a new way of thinking about economics. What is less clear to me is what is the end goal? What is the purpose? Is it just to improve the teaching of economics? Because, and, and again, it comes from disentangling the role of ideology to the role of positive science. Um, what is expected to achieve? That economists arrive all at a different conclusion than we do it today? Is it ab about taking into account other views? I do agree with everything you say, but at the end of the day, the rethinking mo uh, economics movement and, and I'm looking at the book, it's 
I, it's a shame that we don't teach philosophy and economics anymore. But here's the thing. What's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen once we teach economics with a more ethics-based? What do you think is going gonna, is gonna to be the end result of this process that you are very importantly uh, um, proposing to, to move forward? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. The students have been very well organized um, in terms of also publishing various books, uh, which uh, advance uh, a pluralist kind of economics. So one of the things that they have asked within their um, manifesto and also in the ECPA letter, the International Students' Initiative for Prism in Economics, was that economics is becoming more pluralistic, a level of theory and method and methodological level. This is very, very important because if we do not have a recognition of the schools of thought in economics, if we don't have a recognition of the methods, of the diversity of methods that exist, I think we cannot have a progressive economics. Um, I personally hope that the students will carry on with these activities and they will be, they'll continue to be very well organized and not just I think we shouldn't diminish the importance of education because I think um, this is a tool that we have where we can produce change. Um, and I think this is what they're hoping to, to achieve, a more pluralistic and a more progressive economics. So um, I do think that what they do is very valuable. And uh, unfortunately, the movement is not very present in Romania, for instance, which I would, I would like to see more. Um, the interesting thing that has brought out as well this movement is that we recognize what is the only uh, common point that heterodox economists have with mainstream economists, and that is pluralism in teaching. So as far as uh, the mainstream economists would go, would be to recognize that we need some pluralism in teaching, and they will agree with the introduction of a history of economic thought module on the curriculum. But what we also need, we need to teach, as your last part of the question was asking, we need to have ethics on the curriculum, uh, both at undergraduate and postgraduate level. And we hope that this will produce economies which are more informed about what it means to be responsible in policy making and policy advice. And uh, without education, I don't think we can succeed. And a simple question, what should you take out of the curriculum? because we understand about opportunity costs. And I agree that ethics should, should be in, but the difficult question is what should be out? That's a very tricky question because sometimes uh, we don't necessarily have to take out uh, uh, subjects. I think, uh, I agree with you, the curriculum is, um, is very dense and sometimes it's difficult to make space for a course in moral and political philosophy or in ethics for economists. But um, I'm not sure how to respond what we should take out because I think everything is important. It's important to teach 
economists into uh, into specialisms, um, into for instance things like development economics or behavioral economics. We also ha- ought to have econometrics. We should have also a course in research methods. Um, but also something along the lines of ethics or moral and political philosophy. Difficult to say what I would take out. Um, it depends probably from um, local case to local case uh, what you would take out, but it's very difficult to answer this. Well, if you ask me, I, I would answer about management curricula, and I think that is a big problem here. In particular, there is no economics, uh, hist- economic history, for example, in management curricula, and so I would happily put some economics or history of economic of um, economic history, and I would remove something that is, I think, uh, unsuitable for undergraduate students. And this is, for example, uh, a very large presence of entrepreneurship and cross cultural and leadership and cool management modules that I'm not sure are, are, are um, a good uh, undergraduate option for, for bachelor students. Uh, but let me go back to your actual book. And uh, I have a question related to chapter seven. Actually, no, sorry, it's chapter nine. Because being here in a podcast, we should be interested in chapter nine, which is uh, economists, their role and influence in the media. We, you also mentioned earlier uh, the policy uh, part of our job. And that chapter describes that in different nations, the policy uh, role of economists varies. For example, if you look at the United States or if you look at the Netherlands, there are different uh, connotations of being an applied economist, a policy economist. Um, so what's the, the media task for economists and what is the relationship between our media engagement and ethics? Um, That's a very good question. Um, I think um, basically um, economists, I mean, the author uh, Wim Groth and Henrietta Massen van den Brink are trying to argue that um, most economists are probably not engaging enough with the media. And they also argue that um, for most economists, the general result is pure oblivion. We are not cited enough by our peers. Maybe success would mean that we are cited maybe at least 10 times by other authors. Um, This is very, very interesting in terms of the indexes that are used in many universities to look at citations and so on. Um, But uh, in terms of the ethics and the media, I think economy should have also some kind of rules of engagement with the media. And I think in the latest years, especially the crisis has shown that we haven't engaged enough with the media. I think ethical capabilities of economists have been put under question because of the fact that we have left ethics for the policymakers. So um, I think there is much more scope for engagement with the, with the media and for a public role that economists um, should have. There is a nice collection edited by Daniel Klein on what economists should do with sketches from various economists like Ronald Coase, Dieter McCloskey, Friedrich Hayek, and they all talk about the importance of the economists to be more engaged with the public and to try to serve more society. So there is a lot of scope for economists to have, um, not just to leave ethics for the policymakers, but assume a more critical role when it comes to the media and to their um, their uh, activities, um, academic activities, I think. I have a question now for both, uh, which is... Uh, 
uh, still uh, talking about engagement uh, with media and the uh, uh, lay audience. Uh, since the crisis in particular and since the latest uh, great uh, recession and since uh, the rise of populism around the world, uh, we have a problem which is uh, uh, that uh, it's very easy for politicians to disagree with the experts, to disagree with the economists in this case, uh, and to argue that uh, the politician and the parliament or the people taking a decision in the in the electoral ballot should be free to ignore the suggestions, the recommendations of experts and economists in particular. I don't know, the debate on Brexit, 99.9% of economists said in 2016 that Brexit would be a failure and still uh, nobody uh, cared, nobody was particularly interested in this uh, judgment. And still this is happening today. Um, so um, you argue that um, economists should be more engaged, but it is also true that in the age of populism, disengagement is more difficult. So how should economists react to this difficult environment? Um, yes, uh, I think, again, some valid points about the role of experts. And uh, INET has run a series uh, with various uh, economists talking about the role of experts. And uh, three students from the Rethinking Economics have been written a book on, on, on experts and um, uh, the role of experts in, uh, in economics and, and the fact that the crisis has uh, brought out, uh, because of the failure to predict the crisis, a uh, lack of trust in the experts, a lack of trust in economists. So I, I do think that it's more difficult for economists now to get the trust back. One ex interesting example is because we were talking about codes very briefly at the beginning, is the banker's oath in Holland, which is um, from 2013-14, I think, 87,000 employees in the banking system in, in, uh, in uh, Netherlands is basically taking this oath to, um, to comply with certain rules, to be loyal to the customers, to the clients, which I think it's uh, trying to restore trust. Thus, the arguments that uh, a, a code, a professional economic code for economists would restore the trust in the profession from the public. So I think this is uh, quite an interesting idea. Um, but the failure to predict the crisis, I think, also raises an interesting question. Economics is, predict, is, is uh, predicated on a philosophy of science that I think is very obsolete and very old-fashioned, which is based on prediction. And prediction very rarely works because of uncertainty. And maybe we need to rethink also the scientific basis on which economics is found. Rodrigo? I, I disagree a little bit with you, Anna, just on the role of prediction, because I do not see, I actually do not know of almost any economist who works in predicting anything. Um, we, do, we do analyze stuff in different ways, but that is not, the, that is, the argument continues, her arguments continue to hold, and they are still very good, regardless of that point or not. Uh, I do not know the answer to that question. Um, if I knew the answer to the question, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have Bolsonaro in Brazil or Donald <laughs> Trump in the U.S. Uh, I don't think we're going to get the trust back. I think the world is going to get more and more fragmented, uh, and I do not think that economists' lack of trust is particularly special, uh, as you mentioned, um, is not exceptional in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's, we can see, you see that in, in anti-vaccination campaigns, 
into GMO issues. You see that. You see the lack of trust in medical science, like yes. vaccination. Yes. We yes. took yes. it to zero, yes. and now we we have these problems again. So I I do not think is necessarily the problem of economists, and I have absolutely no clue how to take any kind of trust back. If I knew, maybe I would get a Nobel Prize in a peace prize, <laughs> right? Because that, that is whoever solves this issue is going to get, uh, uh, is going to be the most important person of our times. I find a bit peculiar the proposal of this book, uh, this idea of the oath of the economist. But since you are here, please, can you tell us uh, uh, what this chapter is about? How could this work? And also, what is the difference between duty of care, duty and uh, duty not to harm and the duty of care that uh, uh, in chapter two, I think, is described? Yes. Um, chapter two looks at um, economists' ethics and uh, engages a lot with George De Martino's uh, Economist Oath, written in 2011. And George De Martino comes with, again, an institutional solution and try, tries to argue that economists should swear an oath in the same way that uh, the doctors swear the Hippocratic Oath. Um, the, uh, this uh, chapter, too, written by um, um, and, uh, Andrew Meerman and Robert McMaster, Uh, engage also with George Martino and uh, argues that be beyond the prudential and precautionary principle that uh, he is uh, advancing, uh, and also suggests that economists need not just to do no harm, but to also exercise a duty of care. And what does it mean? It's almost uh, a difference between uh, negative and positive freedom, in a way, if I can make this connection. Um, the principle of do no harm, it's much more negative um, and the principle of uh, doing, um, of caring, of um, caring for, for the other um, is much more positive, I think. Um, what they are trying to argue is that economies need to care um, for, um, and pr to pr we need to produce through teaching economies that care more for society and for the uh, societal problems that we all face. Uh, they also illustrate this with the, with the trolley problem and how this could be brought into the classroom. Um, so we need care because I think we need, although we do need responsibility as well, in a different paper I'm making a distinction between responsibility and care. And I think this might be interesting just to point out that care is something that relates to those which are close to us, whilst responsibility is more global and encompasses care. So in a way, we do need responsibility as well as care and the do no harm to kind of succeed in our exercise, ethical exercise. Thank you very much, Joanna. I think this was a very interesting conversation. We spoke with one of the editors of a book recently published by Routledge, just in June 2019. This was The Ethical Formation of Economist, edited by Wilfred Dolsma and Joanna Negro. Thank you very much for your time. And also thanks to my second guest of today, Professor Rodrigo Zetan from New York University in Shanghai, and in particular to... Uh, Joanna Negro, which is a reader in economics at Lucian Blaga University in Sibiu, Romania. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for the invitation, Andrea. New Books in Economics, brought to you by EAEPE, the European Association for Evolutionary Political Economy.